It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to geneseehealthplan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means uh, that uh, armchair politics is coming up. Former Flint Mayor Dane Walling will join our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and uh, Henry Hatter. That's coming up uh, just about an hour away for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, and national news and current events. Should be very interesting. Um, But this hour, we're going to talk with an infectious disease specialist from National Jewish Health, Dr. Gwen Hewitt, who's trying to raise uh, awareness about MAC lung disease, Mycobacterium avium complex, or MAC lung disease. But first, we're going to hear from the president-elect. Here's what uh, president-elect Joe Biden had to say Monday evening after the uh, Electoral College uh, confirmed that he had won the presidential election. The Electoral College votes, which occurred today, reflect the fact that even in the face of a public health crisis, unlike anything we've experienced in our lifetimes, the people voted. They voted in record numbers. More Americans voted this year than have ever voted in the history of the United States of America. Over 155 million Americans were determined to have their voices heard and their votes counted. And the start of this pandemic this crisis. Many were wondering how many Americans would actually vote at all. But those fears proved to be unfounded. We saw something very few predicted, even thought possible. The biggest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. A number so big that this election now ranks as the clearest demonstration of the true will of the American people. One of the most amazing demonstrations of civic duty 
we've ever seen in our country. It should be celebrated, not attacked. More than 81 million of those votes were cast for me and Vice President-elect Harris. That, too, is a record. More than any ticket has received in the history of America. It represents a winning margin of more than 7 million votes over the number of votes cast for my opponent. Together, <clears throat> Vice President-elect Harris and I earned 306 electoral votes, well exceeding the 270 electoral votes needed to secure victory. 306 electoral votes is the same number of electoral votes that Donald Trump and Vice President Pence received when they won in 2016. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the time, President Trump called his elect the Electoral College tally a landslide. By his own standards, these numbers represented a clear victory then, and I respectfully suggest they do so now. If anyone didn't know before, they know now. What beats deep in the hearts of the American people is this, democracy. The right to be heard, to have your vote counted, to choose leaders of this nation, to govern ourselves. In America, politicians don't take power. People grant power to them. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. And we now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. And as the people kept it aflame, so too did courageous state and local officials and election workers. American democracy works because America makes it work at a local level. One of the extraordinary things we saw this year was that everyday Americans, our friends and our neighbors, often volunteers, Democrats, Republicans, independents, demonstrating absolute courage, they showed a deep and unwavering faith in and a commitment to the law. They did their duty in the face of a pandemic. And then they could not and would not give credence to what they knew was not true. They knew this election was overseen, was overseen by them. It was honest, it was free, and it was fair. They saw it with their own eyes. And they wouldn't be bullied into saying anything different. It was truly remarkable because so many of these patriotic Americans are subject to so much enormous political pressure, verbal abuse, and even threats of physical violence. While we all wish that our fellow Americans in these positions will always show such courage and commitment to free and fair elections, it is my sincere hope we never again see anyone subjected to the kind of threats and abuse we saw in this election. It's simply unconscionable. We owe these public servants a debt of gratitude. They didn't seek the spotlight. You know, and our democracy survived because of them, which is proof once more that it's everyday Americans infused with honor, character, and decency that is the heart of this nation. You know, in this election, their integrity was matched by their strength, independence, and the integrity of our judicial system. In America, when questions are raised about the legitimacy of any election, those questions are resolved through the legal processes. And that's precisely what happened here. The Trump campaign brought, brought dozens and dozens and dozens of legal challenges to test the result. 
They were heard again and again. And each of the times they were heard, they were found to be without merit. Time and again, President Trump's lawyers presented arguments to state officials, state legislatures, state and federal courts, and ultimately to the United States Supreme Court twice. They were heard by more than 80 judges across this country, and in every case, no cause or evidence was found to reverse or question or dispute <clears throat> the results. A few states went for recounts. All the counts were confirmed. The results in Georgia were counted three times. Didn't change the outcome. The recount conducted in Wisconsin actually saw our margin grow. The margin we had in Michigan was 14 times the margin President Trump won that state by four years ago. Our margin in Pennsylvania was nearly twice the size of the Trump margin four years ago. <clears throat> and yet, none of this has stopped baseless claims about the legitimacy of the results. Even more stunning, 17 Republican attorneys general and 126 Republican members of the, members of the Congress actually, they actually signed on to a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas. That lawsuit asked the United States Supreme Court to reject the certified vote counts in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. This legal maneuver was an effort by elected officials and one group of states to try to get the Supreme Court to wipe out the votes of more than 20 million Americans in other states and to hand the presidency to a candidate who lost the Electoral College, lost the popular vote, and lost each and every one of the states whose votes they were trying to reverse. It's a position so extreme, we've never seen it before. A position that refused to respect the will of the people, refused to respect the rule of law, and refused to honor our Constitution. Thankfully, a unanimous Supreme Court immediately and completely rejected this effort. The court sent a clear signal to President Trump that they would be no part of an unprecedented assault on our democracy. Every single avenue was made available to President Trump to contest the results. He took full advantage of each and every one of those avenues. President Trump was denied no course of action he wanted to take. He took his case to Republican governors and Republican Secretary of State, as he criticized many of them, to Republican state legislatures, to Republican-appointed judges at every level. And in a case decided after the Supreme Court's latest rejection, a judge appointed by President Trump wrote, wrote, quote, this court has allowed the plaintiff the chance to make his case, and he has lost on the merits, end of quote, lost on the merits. Even President Trump's own cybersecurity chief, overseeing our elections, said it was the most secure election in American history, and summarily was let go. Let me say it again. His own cybersecurity chief, overseeing this election, said it was the most secure in American history. You know, respecting the will of the people is at the heart of our democracy, even when we find those results hard to accept. But that's the obligation of those who have taken on a sworn duty to uphold the Constitution. Four years ago, when I was a sitting vice president of the United States, it was my responsibility to announce the tally of the Electoral College votes in the joint session of Congress. 
that voted to elect Donald Trump. I did my job. And I'm pleased, but not surprised, by the number of my former Republican colleagues in the Senate who have acknowledged already the results of the Electoral College. I thank them. And I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people, to our Constitution, to our history. You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted. Faith in our institutions held. The integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us. Getting this pandemic under control and getting the nation vaccinated against this virus. Delivering immediate economic help so badly needed by so many Americans who are hurting today. And then building our economy back better than it ever was. In doing so, We need to work together to give each other a chance to lower the temperature. And most of all, we need to stand in solidarity as fellow Americans to see each other, our pain, our struggles, our hopes and our dreams. We're a great nation. We're good people. We may come from different places, hold different beliefs, but we share in common a love for this country a belief in its limitless possibilities. For we, the United States of America, has always set the example for the world for a peaceful transition of power. We'll do so again. I know the task before us won't be easy. It's tempered by the pain so many of us are feeling. Today, our nation passed a grim milestone. 300,000 deaths to through this COVID virus. My heart goes out to each of you in this dark winter of the pandemic, about to spend the holidays and the new year with a black hole in your hearts, without the ones you loved at your side. My heart goes out to all of you who have fallen on hard times through no fault of your own, unable to sleep at night, staring at the ceiling, and weighed down by the worry of what tomorrow will bring for you and equally important for your family. But we faced difficult times before in our history. I know we'll get through this one, but together, that's how we get through it together. So as we start the hard work to be done, may this moment give us the strength to rebuild this house of ours upon a rock that can never be washed away. As in the prayer of St. Francis, for where there is discord, union, where there is doubt, faith, where there is darkness, light. This is who we are as a nation. This is the America we love. And that is the America we're going to be. So thank you all. May God bless you. And may God protect our troops and all those who stand watch over our democracy. Thank you. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing and jingle bell ring. Snowing and blowing up bushes of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty, frosty Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hornets. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com 
from Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. It's uh, cold and flu season on top of uh, still having COVID-19 following us around, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of the symptoms for those things are uh, very similar. There is also something else that maybe isn't as well known that um, it could uh, take you by surprise. Um, I hadn't heard of it before, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's, it's. Um, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. Mycobacterium avium complex, or MAC, lung disease. And joining me by phone from Denver to talk about that is um, an infectious disease specialist with National Jewish Health, Dr. Gwen Hewitt. Uh, Gwen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. Um, You know, I mentioned we've got all of these things uh, sort of converging at once cold and flu season and uh, of course the pandemic still going on I, every time i uh come in contact with a little dust and and cough i think oh my god i've got the covid um how what is mac lung disease and how do we tell that from everything else that's going on well tom thanks for for doing this program because i'm very passionate about this disease process because it's a chronic progressive lung disease that can be confused with many other things. And it really is underappreciated in many ways. So I just want to get the word out to make sure that everyone understands this disease process and can ask their doctor to test for it if they think they have symptoms consistent with it. As you said, this is cold and flu season, but what MAC lung disease is, is it's a chronic lung infection that is very treatable if we catch it early. And its symptoms are mainly cough and fatigue and shortness of breath. And like you said, that mimics many other things such as COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or asthma or bronchiectasis. And we're seeing that more and more people are experiencing these type of symptoms. So it's really important to get an accurate diagnosis early as possible. And and how does that diagnosis happen? I mean, a lot of us, if we get a little shortness of breath or, or a cough, we think maybe cold or flu is coming on. And these days, we we consider COVID as a possibility. Um, but how how do we get tested for MAC lung disease, and how do we know it's time? Well, first of all, it's important to know that there are certain groups that this. Uh, germ seems to set up shop in in their lungs. And and those are people with underlying lung diseases that I just alluded to, such as bronchiectasis and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. But also we seem to see it much more commonly in women and folks over the age of 65. So if you're in any of these groups and you start experiencing chronic cough or fatigue or shortness of breath, that's when you'd want to get to your physician and say, listen, I'm experiencing these symptoms. And what can we do to look into this? And your your physician will generally do some first screening things like getting some breathing tests, getting a chest scan, and then most importantly, getting a sputum culture 
to send to the laboratory to see if that germ is present in your lungs. And then we can go from there if that germ is found. Has MAC lung disease been around for a long time? Well, uh, yes. For the, the germ itself is an environmental germ, and it's found mainly in water sources and soil sources. So all of us are exposed to it on a daily basis, but only a very small percentage of us seem to be vulnerable to this infection. So we see it in tap water sources such as shower heads and the steam from tubs and showers, but also soil sources such as working in the garden, the soil that you're digging in and potting soil, and a few other environmental sources as well. Um, I've, I've never heard of this before, and that's the reason I ask if it's been around for a long time. Has this um, maybe historically been misdiagnosed as something else? Well, that is a, such a great question, and yes, I mean, we know it's been misdiagnosed uh, in the past, and fortunately, our laboratories have become much more sophisticated in being able to uh, to culture this particular germ or even newer uh, techniques that we don't even necessarily have to culture the germ, but we're able to detect it by newer laboratory methods. So that's very exciting so that we can help more people. And what then is the um, uh, result of, of getting this? Um, you know, can it can it be fatal? And you talk about being able to mitigate it if we find it early enough. Um, what what are some of those uh, factors? Right. Well, so uh, first of all, you send the sputums to the laboratory, and then the laboratory would call your physician and say, "Gosh, yes, this germ is there." So your physician would uh, do a few other tests, and then. Uh, based on what the laboratory testing showed, would generally start you on a, a treatment course, usually with about three different antibiotics at the same time that would be taken over several months. And during that several months treatment course, you're going to have frequent uh, checkups with your physician, and they're going to see how you're handling the, the antibiotics and make sure that you're going in the right direction in that it's killing uh, those uh, germs and also to monitor you very closely for side effects. And it's really important, and we talked earlier about empowering the patient, and so there are so many websites that I always send uh, patients to, and one of them is the, uh, micro, the NTM treatment guidelines that are uh, widely available to the lay public uh, on the Internet, and also to go to a website, Mac lungdiseaseinfo.com so that at the same time your doctor's treating you, the patient can start empowering themselves with new information because that's really an important uh, issue in this partnership with the patient and their physician. And when you talk about NTM, what, what is that? Right. So thank you for asking that. So NTM stands for non-tuberculous mycobacteria and the MAC germ is in the family of non-tuberculous mycobacteria. There are oh, roughly 150 or probably even more today. It seems like the laboratory and scientists are, are finding new uh, uh, NTM organisms uh, every week. And uh, mycobacterium avium complex or MAC is only one 
small group of this larger family of germs called NTM. And, and and I wanted to underscore that a little bit, Gwen, because uh, not everybody would know to search for NTM. Correct. And uh, if you put uh, a search in, and we just did guidelines uh, in 2020, so the NTM treatment guidelines will come up, and so you, and your patients and your listeners can look that up to start getting getting more information. That's more of a scientific document, but as I said, the MAC lungdiseaseinfo.com site has uh, a ton of information uh, for the uh, average patient uh, in uh, words that we can all understand. Um, was, was this uh, particular um, bacterium discovered fairly recently? How, how long have we been sort of chasing this bug? Right. Well, we've uh, been able to rudimentary uh, discover it and, and uh, isolate it in the laboratory for, oh, 40 years, yeah. maybe even a little bit longer. Yeah. So it's not that new. But but relatively new um, in that we are we know there's lots of stuff in the dirt. We know there's lots of stuff in water, even even well-treated water, um, but uh, we discover new things all the time, don't we? Oh, we certainly do, and, you know, fortunately, uh, we have uh, wonderful scientists that work in the laboratory that are working diligently to uh, figure better ways to help uh, doctors uh, uh, diagnose this particular problem uh, and grow this particular germ in the laboratory, or as I said, the newer technologies don't even involve growing because this this germ takes about uh, two months to grow in the laboratory, unlike the strep throat germ that you can just go into your doctor's office and get a test result back in a half hour. So you have to be patient uh, uh, with your physicians uh, as they're trying to make this diagnosis of MAC lung disease. And fortunately, if you do have this germ, we have uh, great laboratories throughout the country that are able to help make that diagnosis and partner with you and your, your local physician so that you can embark on the right treatment course early in the disease so it doesn't become progressive. Is, is this something that would be looked for um in a test that a, that a doctor might give uh, generally or for other things or part of a physical, and and uh, then you get a call in a couple of weeks and say, hey, look, uh, this, this just popped up. Can you come back in? Yes. Uh, again, you have to submit a sputum specimen to actually grow the germ to find out that you have this germ because, again, many people who cough, don't have this germ. In fact, most people who cough don't have this germ. But for the smaller percentage of people who cough that do have this germ, it's really important that your uh, physician sends off a sputum culture uh, so that we can detect it. Also, most doctors are going to get some type of uh, x-ray test, uh, whether it's a CT scan of the chest or a simpler chest x-ray. And, and they'll, that will give them Clues, uh, the radiologist, the x-ray uh, doctor who is uh, 
reviewing these x-ray scans will usually communicate with your physician and say, oh, you need to think about X, Y, or Z. And today, fortunately, the, uh, the radiologists are very in tune to MAC lung disease uh, as well. So they'll give your physicians a, a clue. And usually it's a pulmonologist or, uh, like me, an infectious disease specialist that once your uh, primary care doc has sort of gone as far as they can go with figuring out what's going on with your lungs, they'll refer you on to one of these doctors to help uh, pass the baton and, and really drill down and see what's going on. Is this a germ that has to be searched for specifically, or would it show up in tests for other things? Boy, that's a, that's a great question. And yes, there are. Your physician uh, will need to order a special uh, test done on your sputum analysis because it takes a special, what we call media in the laboratory to grow the germ. But I will tell you that uh, because we're getting the word out and have been for the last uh, 10 years uh, quite heavily, I would say virtually every primary care physician and certainly every pulmonologist or infectious disease uh, physician knows very well about MAC uh, lung disease and will ask for that test to be done on the sputum culture. Okay, um, and that's that's what I was curious about because we mentioned uh, earlier, Gwen, that that this has this can and has been misdiagnosed in the past. Yeah, the the good news is is uh, physicians like myself go out and lecture and write papers and uh, are really trying to get the word out to all physicians to say, you know what, this is this is. Uh, present, and it's a disease that we need to look for if a patient is having this constellation of symptoms such as cough, fatigue, shortness of breath. Some people lose a little weight. Fever usually isn't a very prominent feature of this, but people generally just notice this nagging cough, and if you have a nagging cough, uh, it needs to be looked into. You said earlier that um, women over 65 were maybe the most susceptible to this, Um, but do you have any sense for how many women, how many people uh, get infected by this? You know, you're asking just great questions, and that's what what frustrates many of us, because no, we don't really have a, a great handle on uh, how many people are uh, suffering with this infection because it's not a reportable infection. So we don't really uh, know for sure exactly how many, but uh, certainly thousands of, of patients and probably tens of thousands of patients uh, in North America for sure. Uh, some of the countries that have uh more uh, single-payer insurance plans uh, are able to track some data like this a little bit easier than uh, other countries, such as the United States. But because uh, physicians talk at meetings and present papers, we we know there are uh, uh, thousands of patients that have this lung infection, without a doubt. Well, and you mentioned other countries makes me wonder, are there, are there certain countries where this is more likely to occur, or is it something that can happen anywhere? Uh, 
it can happen anywhere. It is what we say ubiquitous in nature. So uh, the big umbrella of uh, NTM are found uh, throughout the globe, and uh, there are certain uh, germs, uh, including uh, the Mycobacterium avium complex family of germs, that are found in every uh, country, every continent, uh, every location. So they're what we say ubiquitous in nature and ubiquitous in people. Um, is is this something that gets uh, picked up um, by doctors uh, more maybe during cold and flu season than other times of the year because more people are sensitive to a sudden cough and, and are more likely to go to the doctor? Well, I, I don't know that that is necessarily true because this is really a chronic process. Now, every chronic process has to start somewhere. So, uh, yes, there may be a possibility that uh, the diagnostic process maybe starts more during the cold and flu season just because there's more coughing uh, going on. Uh, but it's, uh, it's an equal season uh, germ. Uh, so we fortunately, if you're in tune to it, and that's why programs like this are really, really helpful to get the word out, uh, we certainly can diagnose it in any season. Um, is there, you, you know, we've been talking about a, a cough, um, but is, is there a symptom beyond that that maybe is unique to this that might help people uh, request the right kind of testing or maybe maybe a length of time that a cough goes on that, that someone should become concerned? Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, because so many lung problems share the same constellation of symptoms, uh, it's uh, incumbent upon uh, the patients educating themselves, and so that's why I really encourage people to search information sites uh, on the web, and that's, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but generally speaking, I think it's a very <laughs> good thing. And so if you think you, if you, think you have a, a cough that's lasted more than a month, uh, a cough shouldn't last more than a month. So then it's time to maybe start making an appointment with your, your physician so that you can get in to see them. But in the meantime, you can start educating yourself and going to sites like uh, MacLungDiseaseInfo.com or the uh, NTM uh, Lung Disease Treatment Guidelines it, uh, uh, is a good place to start. And, you know, there are all sorts of sites out there that one can inform themselves just about chronic cough. And then you can, when you get with your physician and they start uh, doing their history and physical, you can let them know, oh, gosh, this has been going on now for six months. So I've, I now heard that maybe we should start checking into this because that's too long for a cough to go on. Gwen, tell me a little bit about National uh, Jewish Health. Well, uh, it is a, uh, a international uh, multi-specialty uh, facility that specializes in lung and immune uh, diseases, and uh, I have focused on this group of Mycobacterium avium complex uh, lung infections for my entire career, which is uh, nearing 30 years. So uh, the uh, NTM uh, germs, or specifically Mycobacterium avium complex lung disease, is near and dear to my heart, 
and uh, this has uh, been an area that I've been able to uh, study and practice in, as I said, for almost 30 years. Well, I, I ask about National Jewish Health because I think you're my first guest from there. <laughs> and so I'm trying well, to get a better understanding of, uh, of the organization. We, you know, we are a facility that specializes in lung disease, and we are well known uh, for that. And, uh, again, uh, it, we started as a tuberculosis hospital, and like most major hospitals uh, throughout the whole United States, if you look at the history of longstanding hospitals, many of them started as facilities to take care of tuberculosis. And uh, then over time, uh, fortunately, we developed antibiotics to treat tuberculosis. And uh, uh, many of us then transitioned into working on this other group of germs, which uh, are uh, not tuberculosis, and particularly the mycobacterium avium complex group of, of germs that we know can lead to these chronic symptoms and really impact people's lives in a negative way and are entirely treatable the sooner that we diagnose them. So that's why I'm so focused on getting the word out about mycobacterium avium complex lung disease so that we educate people to be proactive and talk to their docs to say, listen, I've got these symptoms such as cough and fatigue and I'm a woman and I'm over 65 and uh, have you thought about checking me for uh, this germ? Well, Gwen, I appreciate you taking the time to share this information with uh, the listeners and um, I, I I'm not sure if we've covered everything, but for people who want to know more about Microbacterium avium complex or MAC, lung disease, um, where's the best place to start looking? You've mentioned a couple. The first place is, is uh, maclungdiseaseinfo.com, and if it turns out that you are diagnosed with this, then go to the NTM treatment guidelines which are listed on the, uh, uh, the web. You just type that in. But as a starting place, MacDiseaseInfo.com is a great place to start. Well, Gwen, thanks so much for spending this time with me, and good luck getting the word out. Thanks so much, and you have a great day. All right, take care. That was uh, actually uh, Dr. Gwen Hewitt. Uh, an infectious disease specialist with National Jewish Health, talking about uh, microbacterium avium complex, or MAC, lung disease. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. We 
wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom This is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodin flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. (laughs) 
from Haley, Alex, Alexis, help! And the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them. So every year I pack my gear and come out here till Purim, Rosh Hashanah. I spend in Arizona and Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi. But in December, there's just one place for me. Amid the California flora, I'll be lighting my menorah like a baby in his cradle. I'll be playing with my dreidel, spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the sea. I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them, so every year I pack my gear and come out here till Purim, Rosh Hashanah, I spend in Arizona. And Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi. But in December, there's just one place for me. Amid the California flora, I'll be lighting my menorah like a baby in his cradle. I'll be playing with my dreidel. Here's the Judas Maccabeus. Boy, if he could only see us spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 